Thank you for your attention. This is the Get In Divorce Without Losing Your Mind podcast with Corey Shapiro. The quote this week comes from Yogi Berra. For people who are following baseball, we're now in playoff season. So a quote from the baseball world. The quote is, baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. Our tweak for the divorce world is divorce is 90% mental. The other half is physical. In divorce news, we're on this boundary theme. Last episode, we talked about Tom and Giselle and about Tom's decision to play football and Giselle putting boundaries, hiring a divorce lawyer. Where we're here, we seem to have an opposite result. There's an article, a guest essay in the New York Times is titled, A 50-50 Custody Arrangement Could Save Your Marriage. Could Save Your Marriage. And apparently during their marriage, the, the, the mother, like a lot of mothers, did more child care, but then agreed to 50-50, which it didn't seem she at least initially bought into. And she had to adjust to that. But now she's happier because she has more time for self-care, more time for her work, for her writing, for her life, for her friends. Two points I want to make on this article. Hats off to this couple. They were able to get a divorce without losing their mind. Hats off. They were also able to establish boundaries in their post-divorce life that worked for them. My second point is in some states like New York, There's such an interplay with the child support statute and custody. What I mean by that is even though you have 50-50 time, for some reason, the parent who who earns more is deemed the parent who pays child support. Not every state. And I think some states are more progressive and have a formula. It makes some sense to me. It just seems that if you have 50-50, And both parents make substantially similar incomes. They're both going to have substantially similar expenses for basic, you know, care, monthly expenses, food, clothing, shelter. What becomes more problematic, it seems, is big ticket items. You know, and for New York, for example, private school is crazy expensive. Summer camp's very expensive. Uh, Even getting a laptop or maybe a cell phone, an iPad, all those things are expensive. Now you can share those expenses. But for some reason, if you go to court, they don't really do it that way. They just make the parent who makes more pay basic child support. That's why I'm a big fan in resolving, especially custody matters, if you can, in mediation, in negotiations. Because what a creative approach can be in these situations where you have 50-50 time, you have similar incomes, and if you don't, you just take the bigger ticket items You have an account, and then you come up with a pro rata. So if a parent makes two times more, that parent's going to say pay 66%. The other parent pays 33%. That could be for summer camp, for private school, for unreimbursed medical expenses, for childcare, and for the other expenses for food, clothing, they're going to have similar expenses. And if there is a discrepancy, there could be some type of supplemental payment to the other party. You want to have some parity in homes that the other person can afford, you know, the home that's three times as expensive. If you were listening to this podcast, I think one parent had like a 20,000 square foot home and the other parent had, you know, say a 2,000 square foot home. That's not going to work. But you can make supplemental shelter payments. 
just seems it's just a more equitable way to do it than just having this bright line rule that if you make more, even a little more, you have to pay child support. And that, I believe, really causes a lot of people to have custody battles for really no reason whatsoever. My last point from this article or essay I want to mention is I did a little Googling of her and she wrote an article or was interviewed for an article back in 2013 while she was married. And I thought this was illustrative of what you have to do to really continue a relationship. And I think this is illustrative for post-divorce. You know, if you're going to co-parent, you're going to have to be respectful, kind, rise above. Not going to do exactly what she's saying, but the point is you're going to have a lifelong relationship. But that she said back in the day, my husband and I used to do insanely sweet things for each other. Treasure hunts of love notes for no reason. A sketchbook full of original drawings just because. Now with two kids, question mark. So the point is if you're in a divorce, and you got a co-parent and you want some flexibility in schedules, it's always, you're always going to need flexibility. If there's a birthday on your time and you want to see your child for just a few hours, if you're kind, if you're respectful, the other parent most likely is going to give you that time. But if that other person feels disrespected and feels put upon, they're probably going to say no, even though in, the, in their heart, they know what is right. All right, let's move to the question. It is how to protect retirement accounts during divorce. Tough question here. Um, I think the first thing is you're going to have to have a mind shift. If you're in a state like an equitable distribution state where title doesn't really matter, here's the problem. You've made all those contributions. You work during the marriage. The account's in your name. Well, if it's during the marriage that you acquire that asset, the other side is going to have a share. So that's that mind shift that you're going to have to come to that realization. Just like the mind shift, maybe getting your first job where you see your gross income, you're like, wow, I made that much money. And then you see your net income and you're like, where did it all go? What are all these taxes? What's going on? That's the mind shift that has to be adjusted to and the divorce. There are a couple things to do. Be careful if you're dealing with a tricky negotiator. You don't want to trade, for example, retirement accounts for non-retirement accounts. You want to think about taxes and if an account is tax impacted or not. Even if you're divvying up retirement accounts, remember, if you divvy up a Roth IRA, that's after-tax dollars. That means when you withdraw it, you don't have to pay taxes, so it's worth more. And in an IRA or a 401k, it's just deferred. So when you withdraw it, you do have to pay taxes. So make sure you're dividing uh, the right equal asset and make sure you think about taxes. You could try to trade other assets, could try challenging, can try to do that. People would do that. Uh, another thing to think about is, is just because it was earned during the marriage doesn't mean it necessarily has to be 50-50. That's a very you know personal decision by the court, depending on a lot of different factors, length of marriage, contributions to the marriage. So you can think of those arguments. And then another thought is, and I'll put the link here for this article, is you could use it. You could use it for unreimbursed medical bills. You know, if you had that, I have a recent 
uh, divorce where someone spent a lot of money on unreimbursed medical bills, and that could have been used for that for a, a, a you know legitimate purpose. You could pay taxes, I believe. Might want to double check this, but I think you could pay taxes that if you owe taxes, not future taxes. Uh, you could taxes that were acquired during the marriage, pack taxes, and I believe you can also use it for education for college expenses. So you can you know if those are legitimate expenses, you can use it for that purpose. All right, let's move to announcements. You can submit your question for this podcast if you have one at question.gettingdivorced.org. You can always email the show at feedback at gettingdivorced.org. We're going to start up next week. I've been talking about it. We're going to go through, I think we're going to do a nine part. That's what I came up with. A nine part series talking about my first ebook, Getting Divorced Without Losing Your Mind. And we're just going to go over chapter by chapter. We'll start the podcast with a preview of each chapter. And that's what we're going to do for nine, uh, nine episodes. And that's going to lead us up right to winter break. All right. The positive perspective. My positive perspective is this. And it's, a, it's sort of a repeat of the same thing. Because I think the theme is boundaries. And you're going to have to really develop strong boundaries in your divorce. That article, maybe they didn't have such strong boundaries during their marriage, but now there's really strong boundaries, 50-50. It's you know, signed off by the judge. So my positive perspective is have strong boundaries. Be creative. And what I mean by that, if if your spouse or the attorney or whatever is trying to rile you up, and that happens to me all the time, the best response sometimes is no response. And that's the real mind shift I have done in my two decades of practice is just having no response. And sometimes that is the best response. All right, in closing, remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult with your attorney before acting on the information contained in this podcast. Until next time, be creative, not reactive. Mm-hmm.